Hey everyone, Sean from the Commander's Brew. Thanks for listening. Added a little background music like all the cool podcasts do while I do my opening banter. Not sure what the music is yet, though I haven't picked it out, so enjoy. It's gonna be a Rata Dravic deck. This is the Orzov Legendaries Matters Commander. I'm gonna break this down step by step. I'm gonna present to you how this deck played out as we were brewing it in the Discord. And if you're tired of a lot of Orzov decks just being aristocrats, this is a great option. And somewhat surprisingly, there's a lot of different angles you could go with it. My goal is not to give you a deck, but I want to teach you to deck. If you're a little newer to brewing, this is the process. This is a good way to approach things. And if you've already got a Radadrabic deck or you've made a bunch of decks as well, I hope you can still find a couple of cool cards to include. So let's do a bit of business. One way to support the show is through patreon.com slash commandersbrew. Find out all about the perks there. Use that TCG player link if you're going to go through buying cards anyway. But if you're a Canadian listener, I can get you money off your magic singles through the Wizard's Tower. First, we'll hear a fake ad from Darksteel Industries, and then that Wizard Tower ad. And then we'll get to the deck tech. See you in a sec. Do you have a special occasion coming up and you need a great gift idea? Darksteel Engraving Services. We can engrave anything, literally. Our machines have been calibrated to engrave dark steel metal, the hardest substance in the multiverse. So we can certainly handle anything you send us. Anything you send us to be engraved cannot be guaranteed because our machines might grind it into paste because they're so strong. And now the real ad from the Wizard's Tower. WizardTower.com. Go to their website to read all sorts of great articles and deck decks. And if you're from Canada, use coupon code BREWUNITED to get 5% off your magic singles if you spend $20 or more. That's a strong deal. Back to the show. Okay, let's get to this deck tech. Bradadrabic of Urborg. We're looking at a 4 mana value commander, 2 white black, that puts us in Orzov for a 3-3. This is a legendary zombie wizard. We've got Vigilance, Ward 2. Other zombies you control have Vigilance. Now that is relevant even if we don't brew a zombie deck because whenever another legendary creature you control dies, create a token that's a copy of the creature except it's not legendary and it's a 2-2 black zombie in addition to its other colors and types. Obviously we want to have legendaries because whenever one dies we get a free extra copy of it except it's a 2-2 zombie which will have vigilance because that's what Bradadrabic does. So out of curiosity how many legends are there in white and black, also colorless, 339. That's so many. Even if, you know, there's a there's one or two that are banned and even if 75% of them are unplayable, that leaves us 84 cards. Technically 84.75, but you know, how do you measure 0.75 of a commander? I don't know, is that prismatic priper? I, I, so we get that 2-2 zombie version of it when it dies. If we have any legendaries with ETB abilities, we will get an extra trigger of that ETB ability awesome and if it doesn't have one the abilities that it does have will just be sitting there on the battlefield we're looking for abilities we're not looking for stats and the coolest thing is it's a non-legendary token copy i don't think i noticed that the first time that means we can copy the token and really in these colors you've got to have anointed procession to do so but if you've got that run it i will happily take double zombies every time one dies but the other key thing is it doesn't exile the card that's something i also didn't catch the first time Tons of these effects always exile the card out of the graveyard so you can't do shenanigans, but this is a commander deck. We want to do shenanigans, so we bring them back. We've got a legendary. It dies. We've got a 2-2 zombie version of that same legendary. We bring back the original legendary. No problem. That's not an issue. There's The, the token is no longer legendary. 
Now, if that legendary dies again, we'll make a second two two zombie without anointed procession, and then we can bring it back again to have two, three, multiple versions of the same ability on the stack. Not the stack, the battlefield. Anyway, this is very cool. So let's get to Bruin. Before I get to the super fun stuff, I just want to highlight Relic of Legends and Honor Worn Shaku. Relic of Legends is that three mana one, taps for any color, but also you can tap an untapped legendary you control to add a mana of any color. Then one apply to the zombies, but that's extra ramp. And similarly, Honor Worn Shaku taps for colorless, but we can tap an untapped legendary to untap this. So it's a similar but different. These are mana rampers that don't work on our zombies. Probably wanna look at Cauldron of Souls. That's the five mana artifact. We get to tap it, choose any number of target creatures, and they all gain persist until end of turn. So if it dies, we get to bring it back to the battlefield with a minus one minus one counter on it as long as it didn't already have minus one minus one counters on it. This is to ensure that you can't persist infinitely. But think about it. One of our creatures is about to die. We cauldron it. Give it persist, it dies, we make a 2-2 zombie version, and the original comes back with a minus one minus one counter. Even if that original one is only a 1-1 to begin with, it'll die immediately, Ratadrebic will see that happening, and it will make another 2-2 zombie version of it. So no matter how you slice it, we're getting two versions of that creature on the battlefield with Cauldron of Souls, maybe even three. We've got a legendary board wipe in Massacre Girl. I won't go through the math, but this is a five mana menace four four. Everything gets minus one, minus one. And then everything that dies gives everything else another minus one, minus one. So as long as there's a few things on the battlefield, pretty much everything dies except Massacre Girl. Since we're going to be jam packed of legendaries, search for glory is probably useful. It's the two and a white sorcery, tutor up a snow permanent, a legendary or a saga. So we've got that black white snow land. We've got numerous legendaries, infinite legendaries. And out of curiosity, I'm going to look at sagas. Three catch my eye. The Eldest Reborn, a classic. Chapter one, each opponent sacks a creature or planeswalker. Chapter two, each opponent discards a card. Chapter three is the crucial one here. We get to reanimate something. Put a planeswalker or creature from any graveyard onto the battlefield. That's what we're doing. We're reanimating our things so that they can die, so that they can give us multiple copies. Elspeth Conquers Death is very similar. It's a five mana white exile uh, saga. Chapter one, exile something three mana value or bigger. Number two, your opponent's casting spells cost two more until your next turn. And then chapter three, return something to the battlefield. I am keeping an eye on Cruelty of Gix. It's about two bucks right now. This is the five mana one from the latest set, Dominaria United. It has read ahead. So we get to skip right to chapter three that puts a creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield. Now five mana reanimate something. We can definitely do that with sorceries. This is a saga, so we can get it with search for glory. But I think the interesting thing here is we can also do chapter one and two. Chapter one is reveal one opponent's hand, choose a creature from it, and they discard it. Not interested in that. Maybe I'm going to start this on chapter two, which is tutor up a card, lose three life. So <laughs> it would be weird to tutor this up to tutor something else up. But I mean, once you get that going, the cruelty of Gix will bring something out of the graveyard and whatever you tutored, let's just have that as backup. And I think Torma the Desecrator belongs on the deck any way you slice it. Four mana legendary zombie wizard, another legendary. This will have vigilance with Rattadrabic. Whenever one or more cards leave your graveyard, create a tapped 2-2 black zombie creature token. Excellent. So now I want to talk about sack outlets. And for this deck, I'm going to try to do as much as I can using legendary creatures. What legendary creatures can sacrifice things? Ailey Eternal Pilgrim. This is the two mana core cleric, 2-3 death touch. 
you can sacrifice another creature for one mana. You gain life equal to the creature's toughness. And if you have 50 life, you get to pay one black white to sack another creature to exile an online permanent. If we can get to 50 life, and we can start using Ailey to sacrifice our creatures and get our extra zombies while exiling other permanents. That's incredible. Aaron Benalia's Ruin is a new one. White, white, black for a 3-3 menace. We can sack a creature by paying white, black, and tap. Put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. This is going to be relevant later because we're going to go pretty wide. Onto the Glorified. Two in a black. Menace Indestructible 4-6. You can pay one in a black to sack another creature. Scry one. Each opponent loses a life and you gain a life. The new braids is free. One black black, three three. At the beginning of your end step, you may sack an artifact, creature, enchantment, land, or planeswalker. I'm going to pick creature. If you do, each opponent may sacrifice a permanent that shares a card type with it. For each opponent who doesn't, that player loses two life and you draw a card. The whole point of a sack outlet is so that we can control when our stuff dies. Braids doesn't do that for us. This is one trigger happens at the end of our turn. We don't get to choose when, but it affects each opponent. And as I said, we're planning on going wide. So maybe there's a spot in here for braids. Kesket, the flesh sculptor is the three mana black human artificer, two and a black one, three doesn't cost anything but a tap, but we have to sacrifice three other artifacts and or creatures. We get to look at the top three cards of our library Two go in our hand and the other goes in the graveyard. I don't know if I am willing to commit to sacking three creatures at the same time. Yanni Undying Partisan is probably the best sack outlet that is legendary. The top criteria is it doesn't cost mana and it doesn't require a tap. Two and a black for a 2-2 with haste. Also, whenever an opponent's creature dies, you put a plus one plus one counter on Yanni and the sack gets you giving in giving any indestructible until end of turn also want to mention fane the broker two and a black human warlock three three we can tap to sack a creature and put two plus one plus one counters on target creature not bad it's free it just costs a tap but we can also untap fane for three and a black we also have two other abilities we can tap to remove a counter from a creature you control create a treasure token this is especially nice with cauldron of souls because we can remove a plus one plus one counter from the persist although now that i'm talking it out loud plus one plus one counters and minus one minus one counters cancel each other out they're like matter and antimatter. so i would rather just put putting two plus one plus one counters on a creature does remove a plus one plus one counter but it also adds a plus one plus one counter anyway there's a third ability fane has sack an artifact create a two one white and black inkling creature token with flying and those are all activated abilities but radadrabic's business is a triggered ability and that's the most important one. So I think you got to consider Strionic Resonator or Lithoform Engine. A couple of artifacts that let us copy triggered abilities. Lithoform Engine does a lot more, but that one's like 10 bucks. And the key fact about Radadrabic is that the creatures don't get exiled from the graveyard. I can't stress this enough. That is such a common thing that happens, but it doesn't with Radadrabic. That means we can run all those little instants that cost maybe one black that say when this creature dies, bring it back to the battlefield tapped. So for an additional black in this spell, we will sacrifice one of our legendaries. It will come back because of the spell for one mana and Radadrabic will make a 2-2 zombie version of it. For that additional one mana and the card, we get an extra round to do this stuff. Malakir Rebirth, that's the MDFC, the flip one, the swamp on the other side. 
costs a black. Supernatural stamina costs a black. Uh, also gives it plus two plus oh. Feign death. It comes back with a plus one plus one counter on it. Undying malice. Same thing. Fake your own death costs two, but we get a treasure as it resolves. So it's kind of like a cause one. An extra special shout out to Wake the Dead. X black black instant. Cast only during combat on an opponent's turn. Return X creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield sack him at the beginning of the next end step. This card has always stood out to me because it also doesn't exile these creatures. Perfect. I can bring back a bunch of them. They'll all die again. I'll get more zombie versions of it. And if we're browsing through legendaries, Mavinda, Students Advocate. I've named like six or seven spells that target creatures we control. That means while Mavinda's on the battlefield, we can just pay zero to use her ability you may cast target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard this turn. If that spell doesn't target a creature you control, it costs eight more. So it doesn't cost eight more because it does target one of the creatures we control. So for free, once per turn, we can cast an extra one of those black instants that make a creature come back. We can do it on Mavinda too. So I know you're super excited to think about like, but what, what are the cool legendaries that we're going to be copying? I mean, I've already named a ton of legendaries that are our utility creatures. I've given you ideas for a bunch of spells that keep them on the battlefield, give us a bit of resilience. I think this is going to be a strong engine once it gets going. Just in case though, I'm going to talk about some more legendaries that can bring creatures back from the graveyard. The first one I want to mention is Barrowin of Clan Undur from which one? Adventures of the Forgotten Realms. This is the 3-3 Dwarf Cleric. It's a four mana value Orzhov card. When this enters the battlefield, venture into the dungeon. And when it attacks, if you've completed a dungeon, return up to one creature card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. So we want to do a dungeon if we've got Barrowin. And there's a few legendaries that help. A Sararak, the Arch Lich. That's the 5-5 five, five for 3 that goes back into your hand unless you've completed that one specific dungeon. So, I mean, sometimes the move is to never complete that dungeon, so you can just always keep venturing for three mana with this thing if you do manage to stick them whenever the arch lich attacks for each opponent you create a 2-2 black zombie creature token unless that player sacrifices a creature that's not a bad ability you might want to complete that dungeon for that but it's all about barrowin to be bringing creatures back notably a Sararak is a three mana creature so barrowin can bring this one back same with nadar selfless paladin this is a three mana white vigilance three three. Whenever this enters or attacks, you venture. And if we have completed a dungeon, other creatures we control get plus one plus one. I already mentioned we plan on going wide. This makes it great. And Safana, Calimport Cutthroat, another three mana one that can be brought back with Barrowin. It's a three mana black rogue, three two menace. At the beginning of your end step, if you have the initiative, create a treasure token. We're not going to have the initiative. Create three of those tokens instead if you've completed a dungeon. We're about the dungeons. We're hoping to complete one. Safana gives us three treasures every turn if we've completed a dungeon. Pretty nice. Now going back to general legendaries that just bring back creatures. Viconia Drow Apostate, another three mana one. It's a two three and at the beginning of your upkeep if there's four or more creatures in your graveyard you return one at random to your hand. I've covered a lot of legendaries and most of them are two or three mana. So even if it's at random, I think we'll be able to do a lot with this. Now, Isareth the Awakener looks good. One black, black, human wizard, three, three, death touch. Whenever Isareth attacks, you can pay X. And when you do return that creature to the battlefield, sounds good until you read the part that says you got to put a corpse counter on it. And then if that creature would ever leave, 
you exile it instead of going anywhere else. That is not what we want, Isareth. I don't think, I just don't think we run Isareth. I don't think we need to, but I'll leave it to you. Obviously, you're, you're going to make the deck that you want. Tishar Ancestor's Apostle, three and a white, legendary bird cleric, two, two flying. Whenever you cast a historic spell, which is like half our deck with all these legendaries, return a creature with mana value three or less from the graveyard to the battlefield. Same thing Barrowin does, but just on cast, and we don't have to complete a dungeon. That land, the black land from Neon Dynasty, Takanuma Abandoned Mire, it taps for black, but we can channel it for three and a black, but that's reduced by one for each legendary creature we control, so it's probably going to be like... Well, I mean, it's interesting. Like this, I'll tie this back to the Honor Worn Shaku and the that legendary relic thing. The zombies aren't legendary, so we might not have a ton of original actual legendary cards. But nonetheless, whether we're paying four mana to do this or one mana to do this, we mill three cards and then return a creature or a planeswalker from your graveyard to your hand. It's an easy include if you got one. It's about five bucks. And of course, the legendary sorceries. The Orzov one specifically is a seven mana sorcery that says return all legendary permanent cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. That is so many of them. It does include, it also does include that black land I just talked about. That's a legendary land. Legendary permanents come back. I think Lithoform Engine is also legendary. It's seven mana. That is a ton of mana. Mavinda is allowed to cast this from the graveyard <laughs> if we pay 15 mana. We have to add eight. And also Urza's Ruinous Blast is the white one, four and a white. Exile, exile all non-land permanents that aren't legendary. We're going to lose a ton of our tokens, but... We don't lose the main gear. And again, this it's interesting. Maybe this one doesn't make the cut because maybe a lot of our deck isn't legendary. What's on the battlefield anyway? We're planning on going wide. Those tokens won't be legendary. However, Yogmoth's Val Offering is a five mana sorcery. It reanimates something, but also destroys something. So in all these cases, we have to have a legendary. I think that should be pretty easy. I mean, we're talking about having Radadrabic on board to do all this stuff. We're probably not interested in going for these moves if Radadrabic isn't even around. So I'm confident we will have a legendary to be able to cast these. Ascend from Avernus. It's a sorcery. It's X white, white, white. You return all creatures of and planeswalkers of value X or less back to the battlefield. You have to exile this card after you do it. Wait, do you exile Primeval's Glorious Rebirth? No, you don't. So, okay, but Mavinda can't get this one back. Again, it's plus eight. I just want to mention it because I think it's funny. I've mentioned a ton of three CMC creatures, so this could cost six to bring back the bulk of our deck. If we're talking reanimating creatures, I'm going to mention Shieldred, Whispering One, Old Shieldred. A little bit of a salty card. It's a seven mana six, six with Swamp Walk. And at the beginning of your upkeep, you just put something from your graveyard to the battlefield. Sorry, Vagonia, Shieldred does it way better. But the salty part is that at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, they have to sack a creature. Some opponents, you know, some people just don't like not being able to get creatures and stick them. I'll leave it to you. And remember, we might be casting this Shieldred. Somehow Shieldred dies, we get a 2-2 version of Shieldred, and we can bring back the original Shieldred. So now we're bringing back two things. Our opponents are sacrificing two things. Now this is starting to get salty. But if your opponents don't mind, let's do the same thing with Elish Norn. Two versions of Elish Norn, even if one of them's a zombie, all our stuff gets plus four, plus four. Remember, we're planning on going wide. If you don't have those two Phyrexians, you can go with Shieldred and Elish Norn at home which is Ravo Soul Tender, three white black, human cleric, two two with flying. Other creatures you control get plus one, plus one. That's the Elish Norn part. And at the beginning of your upkeep, you return a creature from your graveyard to your hand. 
That's the Shieldred part. So let's talk legendaries that can go wide. Alenda the Dusk Rose has come down in price since a few extra reprintings. Four mana, one one, Vampire Knight with lifelink. Whenever another creature dies, put a plus one plus one counter on this. And whenever Alenda dies, create X one one white vampire creature tokens with lifelink where X is Alenda's power. So our creatures are dying, we're sacrificing things, Alenda's getting big. When we end up sacking Alenda, we get a whole bunch of 1-1 one, one white vampire creature tokens, and we get another 2-2 two, two zombie versions of Alenda. If we have managed to cast one of those instants on her, she'll come back again. And now every time... Mavent is an MVP. It makes the board obscenely wide. Take a look at Thalise, Reverent Medium. Do you remember Thalise? Commander Legends. Three white black, legendary human cleric, three four. At the beginning of each end step, you make spirits, they're 1-1 one, one tokens with flying, where X is the number of tokens you created. It's sort of a way of saying double the amount of tokens you made this turn. The surplus have to be spirit creature tokens. But if we've got two Thalises, let's say we make one token. The first Thalise says, okay, I'll make you one spirit. The second Thalise says, hey, I saw two tokens show up. I'm going to make you two spirits. We've gotten four spirits for one. That's exponents, baby. Teza Orzov Scion. One white black human advisor two three. We can sacrifice three white creatures to remove a creature from the game to exile target creature. I've already mentioned cards that make a bunch of white tokens, so we can use that ability quite nicely. And also, whenever another black creature you control is put into a graveyard from play, from the it dies. I should really not read the card text. Whenever another black creature you control dies, create a 1-1 one, one white spirit creature token with flying. Again, you can see how this is perfect for the deck, but now imagine we've got two of these going on, making multiple spirit tokens. This is fantastic. And Edgar Charmed Groom is another card that makes white tokens for us. This is the flip one. This is the one from Crimson Vow. Starts as a 4-4-4-4, four, 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 gives other vampires plus one, plus one. And when he dies... You return it to the battlefield transformed into his coffin and also a 2-2 version of the front side of Edgar Charmed Groom. So now the coffin is spitting out 1-1 one, one white and black vampire creature tokens with lifelink and you get a bloodline counter. And if there are three or more bloodline counters, remove the counters and turn it back into Edgar Charmed Groom. Now we've got the zombie non-legendary Edgar and the original Edgar. And if this dies, turns back into the coffin. It just keeps looping. Even classic ghoul collar Giza, which is down to a buck fifty. This card used to be expensive. Three black, black, human wizard, three, four, black, tap, sack another creature, sack outlet, create X, two, two black zombie creature tokens, going wide, where X is the sacrificed creature's power. A lot of our powers are kind of small, but if we got those anthems going, Maybe not. Maybe we're making a ton of zombies with ghoul colored Giza. Oh, and quick sidebar. Giza Glorious Resurrector, the new one, the four mana Giza, human wizard, 4-4. Four, four. If a creature an opponent controls would die, exile it instead. It's a bit of another salty line of text on a card. There's a lot of graveyard decks out there, and some people think having cards like this shuts them down, and that's great. That's valid. That's a, that's a strategy. I personally don't love just shutting off someone's graveyard because... If they came to play and they have a graveyard deck, sure, go nuts. I'm going to Bojuka bog you, but I'm not just going to turn off your graveyard until you deal with this. However, Giza might have a spot, even in that sense, because whenever one of those creatures dies, so I'll read it. At the beginning of your upkeep, all creatures that were exiled with Giza Glorious Resurrector come back onto the battlefield under your control and they have decayed. So we also get control of them, which is pretty brutal. 
but we're going to attack with them. They will be sacrificed at the end of combat. That's what Decayed says. And then they'll go back to their owner's graveyard. So we don't turn off the graveyard. We just kind of give it a little step in between, a delay, if you will. But also those creatures are dying and they're going back to our opponent's graveyard. If we get a legendary from them, Ranadrabic will see it die and we'll get a 2-2 version of it forever until it dies through other means. And Liesa, Forgotten Archangel, 5 mana, 4-5, Flying Lifelink. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, return it to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. This is the perfect thing for this deck. However, if a creature an opponent controls would die, exile it instead. Period. I'll leave it to you. Oh, and who the heck is Ellen Harbury's busybody? Have you seen this card? I'm sure I've seen it because I read all the legendaries that come out, but honestly, there's so many cards coming out. I think I've been overwhelmed and I, my brain did not register this card. She's a baker. I think she's a baker. She works in a store. She's from Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate. Legendary human peasant for four, two, four. Her ability is pretty cool. Tap. Look at the top X cards of your library, where X is the number of tokens you created this turn. Put one of them into your hand and the rest on the bottom in a random order. Felice, Alenda. We're making some serious tokens. To be able to tap and look at the top 10 and pick one is very potent. And if we're already going wide, here's another legendary for us. Whisper, Blood Liturgist. It's a four mana card. Two, two. Tap. Sacrifice two creatures, return a creature from your graveyard to the battlefield. I'll trade in two tokens for another legendary, which I can sack and loop again. And just quick shout out to Unbreakable Formation, two and a white instant, creatures you control gain indestructible. This is my favorite version of this effect because it's a three mana one. It has addendum, so we can cast it in our main phase. And if we do that, all our creatures get a plus one plus encounter and vigilance until end of turn. If we go wide enough, there's good reason to do that in our main phase, but I like having protection spells in a creature heavy deck. I'm still on legendaries. I talked about Ravos, which gives other creatures plus one plus one. Nadar, if we're going dungeons, gives other creatures plus one plus one as long as we've completed a dungeon. Minthara, Merciless Soul, four mana two two legendary elf cleric. She also has Ward X, where X is the number of experience counters you have. And you get an experience counter at the beginning of your end step if a permanent you control left the battlefield. It's kind of like a revolt that way. And creatures you control get plus one plus one for each experience counter that you have. So again, creatures are dying all the time. Permanents are leaving the battlefield. No problem. We'll get her award one pretty quickly and we'll give all the creatures we control plus one plus oh pretty quickly. And that's going to go up plus two plus oh plus three plus oh that, that starts to get pretty lethal. Not to mention making a second copy of Minthara. They're both adding experience counters at the same time and they're each giving creatures plus one plus oh. It's another exponential growth kind of thing. And as a thought experiment, let's look at Daxos the Returned. This is the only other way to get experience counters in an Orzhov deck. This is the original. One white black zombie soldier 2-2. Two, two. Whenever you cast an enchantment, you get an experience counter. It is possible we have two Daxoses down, which means we'll get two experience for those enchantments. And we get to pay one white black to put a white and black spirit enchantment creature token onto the battlefield. And that creature token has this creature's power and toughness are each equal to the number of experience counters you have. If we're getting them two at a time, these could be huge. It's probably fine to just start cranking these out. We have to cast 
enchantments. I haven't mentioned many enchantments. I mentioned a couple of sagas. Those count. You know we're running Luris of the Dream Den. This is that three mana companion down to two bucks. Cat Nightmare, three, two, lifelink. And during each of your turns, you may cast one permanent with mana value two or less from your graveyard. I've mentioned a ton of threes, but Luris can recast the twos. But with Luris, we got to consider Kaya's ghost form. It's an enchantment that costs a single black, enchanted creature or planeswalker, and when that permanent dies or is put into exile, that's key with this card. It, however it leaves, unless it's bounced, you return it to the battlefield under your control. It's like a black instant that brings a creature back, but it's an enchantment. Maybe, maybe Daxos is in. Maybe Kaya's ghost form will be cast multiple times, so... With Luris, Luris can cast Angelic Renewal multiple times. It's one on a white, one target creature. Sorry, whenever a creature is put into your graveyard from the battlefield, whenever it dies, you may sacrifice Angelic Renewal. If you do, return it to the battlefield. It's kind of like a Kai's Ghost Form, but it doesn't sit on the creature. We just get to sack it whenever something specific dies that we want to bring back and make more 2-2 versions of. Arvad the Cursed is a 5-mana Knight, Vampire Knight, 3-3. Three, three. Other legendary creatures you control get plus 2, plus 2. Again because a lot of our tokens are not legendary, including the zombie versions. Maybe Arvad's not great? I don't know. I'll leave it to you. Dang. Okay. I feel like we've just been talking about cool cards for the deck, but I haven't gotten to just some like generally cool stuff that's just kind of fun. So here's uh, some quick hits on some legendaries that do cool things that I would like to have multiple copies of. Let's start with Athreos God of Passage. It's 10 bucks. One white, black, indestructible, 5-4. You gotta have Devotion 7 to have this thing be a creature. Whenever another creature you own dies, return it to your hand unless target opponent pays three life. We will still get that 2-2 zombie regardless of what our opponents do. Now they won't pay it if we've already cast an instant on it that will put it back to the battlefield, but it just puts a real squeeze on our opponents. How about Kambal, Console of Allocation? This is the three mana 2-3 from Kaladesh, Human Advisor. Whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell, they lose two life and you gain two life. Or with two of them, they lose four life and you gain four life. Breen of the Demagogue, three mana flying bird warlock, one three. Whenever a player attacks one of your opponents, if that opponent has more life than another of an opponent, in other words, if people attack your opponent with the most with a high life total, that attacking player draws a card and you put two plus one plus encounters on a creature you control. We're doing that double with two of these. Nashi Moonsage's Scion. This is the three mana rat ninja. It's a three two with ninjutsu. Whenever this deals combat damage, we get to Bolus's Citadel something from their deck. Uh, we exile the top card of each player's library, not just whoever we hit. And until the end of turn, we can play one of them. We pay life equal to the mana cost. If that's a legendary, we're going to loop it with Ratadrabic. Virtus the Veiled. Not too splashy. Three mana. Again, three mana though. Nashi was three mana. Virtus the Veiled was three mana. Azra Assassin, one one death touch, one one death touch. But whenever this deals combat damage to a player, that player loses half their life rounded up. And if they do block it, we will most likely trade, and then we'll get a two two version of Virtus on the battlefield, and we'll bring it back, and we'll keep doing it, and our opponents will have to keep blocking it, or else they'll lose half their life. Ooh, home stretch, everybody, hang in there. I do appreciate you listening this far. I think I've mentioned more than enough cards for a deck, but if you want to get specific, there is definitely a possible vampire theme out there. There are 30 legendary vampires in the Orzhov colors. I've already talked about Edgar Charmed Groom, the one that turns into a coffin. We get to run Vito, 
the one that uh whenever you gain life an opponent loses that much life but you can give all your creatures lifelink for five mana so that's like basically a win the video cost three so we can bring him back with a lot of things Yehani, i've already mentioned the best sack out of the deck drana liberator of malakir one white white sorry one black black Vampire ally, 2-3, flying in first strike. Whenever she deals damage to a player, put a plus one, plus one counter on each attacking creature you control. And Asterion, the, the decadent, is a vampire. It's a six mana legendary creature, vampire elf rogue from Commander Legends, Baldur's Gate, looks like Mozart. You get to pick one of these at your end step. But remember, the possibility of having two of these. We can pick feed, so an opponent loses life equal to the amount of life they already lost this turn, or friends, you gain life equal to the amount of life you gain this turn. It's like the lease. If our opponent's lost life, the first Asterion says, well, you lost five life. I'll add another five, make it 10. And the second one says, well, I just saw them lose 10 life, so I'll, I'll add another 10, make it 20. Quadruple. Remember Kambal or Athreos? They're a bit Staxy, right? We've got Staxy legends. Thalia, of Th Guardian of Thraben. All your all the non-creature spells cost an additional one, including our black instant spells. So that's not perfect in that sense. But I mean, if we're hosing our opponents, now they have to pay two extra because of Thalia. Hope of Gearpore, that little stupid one mana artifact thopter with flying. It's a one-one, and it deals combat damage to a player, and then we get to sack it. And if we do, the opponent can't cast non-creature spells until our next turn but we'll also get another version and maybe we loop this one and we can just keep hitting one player that doesn't have the defenses and just shut them down off of non-creature spells redain god of the worthy three mana again it's a god two three flying vigilance makes your opponent snowlands come into battlefield tapped but also non-creature spells that cost four or more cost two more put kambal with this two redains they have to pay four extra mana for a four drop plus they lose four life Blech. and then baird steward of argive two white white vigilance two four bit of a propaganda effect your creatures can't attack you or your planeswalkers unless their controller pays one for each creature a couple of bairds they gotta pay two three bairds which is not impossible they're now they gotta pay three they can't attack us anymore oh my goodness okay i'm gonna stop there there's there's so many legends um tons i haven't covered i do appreciate you listening special shout out to those in the discord who helped out with this brew chiefy groove chicken papadio thank you much appreciated if you want to get on these brews jump into the discord you can Find out how through patreon.com slash commandersbrew. And another great way to support is to go to the YouTube channel. You get to see some fancy graphics along with all these cards I'm talking about. But also if you a little bit of a like and a subscribe there does help the channel grow and reach more people. I really would appreciate it. And in the meantime, you keep being you. The world's a better place for it. We'll see you next time.